Blessed Assurance and welcome to Kingdom Christian Fellowship, KCF. We reveal the reality of the Kingdom of God and Christ Jesus in the lives of people all over the world. As you listen to this message, we pray that you are blessed and inspired to improve your relevance in the Kingdom of God. Blessed assurance, mighty people of God, good evening, and you are welcome to this evening's Bible study. Um, this is the KCF Ashesi um, Summer Kingdom series. And before we jump into anything, I just want you to open your mouth wherever you are and begin to speak in the language of the Spirit. Just bless the name of the Lord, clear your minds of everything that you are thinking of. Um, as you are praying in thanks, thanking God, I want you to also copy um, the link for the stream. Share it onto all your social media platforms, your WhatsApp groups, you know, Ashesi project groups, whatever it is. Let your parents know, let your brothers know, let your sisters know and that we are online and we are about to spend a few minutes praying. So I'll just give you the next few minutes. Lift up your voice wherever you are and begin to pray in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus for this day. We thank you, O oh Lord, for such a beautiful evening for the people of God that have gathered online yeah, by the technology of faith, O oh Lord, connecting to us remotely. And Father, for this time of fellowship that we have with you, we lift up our voice, O oh Lord. We ask for mercy. We ask for grace. We ask, O oh Lord, for your help in the name of Jesus. We ask for the Spirit of God, O oh Lord, to guide us, to be with us, to shepherd us, to teach us that, Father, this particular time of interaction would be a fruitful one in the name of Jesus. Speak to us, O oh Lord, as we've gathered. Whisper your words of inspiration to us. We pray, O oh Lord, that we'll receive insight, we'll receive understanding, we'll receive revelation. Father, we ask, O oh Lord, that answers, O oh Lord, Father, to even questions we have on our hearts, on the table of our hearts, will be will be will be released, Father, even for questions that we have. We declare in the name of Jesus, as your people connect, Father, we pray that you visit them in their home. You visit them wherever they are. Those that are on their way, driving in their cars, at the workplace, wherever they are, we declare that that atmosphere becomes an atmosphere of God. Father, we pray, O oh Lord, saying thank you for everything. My brother, my sister, if you can hear me, just lift up your voice wherever you are in your kitchen wherever in your living room you are connected over the tv on your mobile device lift up your voice and begin to pray say father thank you and we ask for grace in the name of jesus lift up your voice and let's pray right now yes lord thank you father for all those who've connected for their families for their friends, for everything that concerns them. We ask, O oh Lord, that in this time of Bible study, in this time of fellowship, you speak with us, O oh Lord, even in the name of Jesus. Thank you for hearing us and for answering us, even in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glorious evening, mighty people again, and you are welcome to this evening's Bible study. This is the KCF Ashesi Kingdom Series for the summer. And um, I would like to, you know, before we begin, um, say a very big thank you. Join me in honoring our father, Apostle Kingsley J. Gottsing, 
I want you to join me to honor the pastors of KCF and for Zion Impact, and especially your campus pastor, Reverend Roland. Also, join me in honoring. Oh, I can't hear your shouting. Though. I, can't, I can't hear your excitement at all. So be shouted where you are. Let me see your fire on the comments um, and the chat box and all of that. Let's honor the minister, I mean, the president of KCF Graduate Ministries, Minister Ruben, and the entire executive team from Elaine, Stephen, and the rest. God bless you. And for you also, God bless you for joining in. Um, if you don't celebrate yourself, if you look for someone in the chat area right now, tag them and celebrate them right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. So one of the things that you would realize is that um, school is on vacation. Uh, the summer long vacation is, you know, starting. And you'd realize that um, if you have not built a particular kind of system, a particular kind of capacity, you would realize that your relationship and your fellowship with God would start to look some way. And I know that you understand what I'm saying, right? We've had this over and over again where, you know, typically right after fire come, people are on fire. The whole WhatsApp movies that we are in, there's so much chatter, people talking about their experiences, revelations they had, testimonies they had. You know, just about the two-week mark, three-week mark, probably four-week mark, and they realize that things begin to, you know, go quiet. If you are someone whose prayer and fellowship experience has always been in the crowd setting, where you are able to prepare when there's a drama, when there's an instrumentalist, when there's someone holding the mic and backing the leader, you would be shocked to notice that in this long vacation period, your attempt to pray and to create that kind of atmosphere, you realize that the silence when you are praying alone is actually very, very, very loud. When there's no one behind the keyboard, I don't behind the keyboard, you know, setting the mood, playing those kinds of, you know, chant songs and all of that. And there's no morale. So you realize that it's quite, the, the, the silence is quite loud. And um, this is not just for those, um, you know, on the summer vacation, for those who have graduated, the recent graduates. I mean, you begin to realize the kind of atmosphere that was engineered because people were around in the same environment, in the same room, the kind of things that we use to augment our fellowship and worship experience, the keyboard, the instrumentalist, the singers. If you don't have a system where you maintain your own fellowship, you'll be yearning for those things that are supposed to be side attractions. And then you realize that the real focus, your ability to focus on God and to fellowship with him, would be hindered because you don't have that kind of atmosphere. You cannot recreate it. And someone will be asking why. Um, those who have traveled outside of the country for an internship, whatever it is, for vacation, you'll be realizing the same thing. And one of the things you need to realize is that on this side of heaven, in this side of heaven, where we are not fully in heaven where God is, but we are on this side, <laughs> Everything that is not paid attention to without effort would naturally disintegrate into chaos. We've had some time in the past talking about chaos, chaos theory, and how this, you know, 
should be managed and how God implemented a management program and all of that. But that's not the uh, focus today. But one example I want to give you is that on our roads here in Ghana, probably in Africa, anytime the traffic lights at junctions, at intersections don't work, you, you see how things naturally just become chaotic. You know, and what I'm saying is that especially for you as a spiritual person living in an, in, in an earthly, fleshly or natural plane, if you do not put in the necessary measures or care, you'd realize that the chaos that your life would disintegrate into would first start in the spiritual sphere that you're operating starting with your connection to God, your relationship with the Holy Spirit, fellowship and all of that. And you realize that this would disintegrate and begins to even affect the people and the friends, the family around you. So the purpose and the intention of this particular KCF um, Ashesi Summer Bible Study plus the other programs that are run in this particular period is for us as shepherds to be mindful and help you to keep the flame burning. Now, if you check what the Bible says, um, if someone has, you know, the Bible on their phone open and they can share the link, I mean, they can share the scriptures that I mentioned, that'd be powerful. But what I want you to do is that let's open to the book of Romans chapter 12, the verse number 11. I'll read from the New King James Version. And then for all those online in the chat box right now, whatever version that you have, you know, I want to just highlight some things from certain versions. So whatever version that you have, kindly, you know, copy and paste into the chat section. So that is the book of Romans chapter 12, the verse number 11. Now look at what the Bible says in there. The Bible says that, not slothful in business. That's the King James Version. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Now, if the Bible is yours, underline that phrase, fervent in spirit. Now, if you check in some of the other translations, if you check, for instance, in the Amplified, it says be aglow in spirit. If you check the Message Bible, it says be fueled and be aflame. If you check the NLT, it says that be enthusiastic. If you check some other ones, um, I'm sure that many of you are posting right now. The TPT, it says that keeping your passion for the Lord boiling hot. The voice translation summarizes, summarizes beautifully. And it says that keeping your spirit on fire, bubbling up and boiling over. Now, when you check these particular scriptures, or the verses and translations for this particular scriptures. What it's trying to emphasize is that there needs to be some kind of energy, some kind of flame. And we are unable to do that, is what I'm trying to say, on our own, if we don't have the right kind of system in place so that we fellowship with God. And that is what we are hoping that this summer experience, this summer program, Bible study prayer, and all the kind of other gatherings we'll be having would be, kind of, uh, will be a system that would help us and help you keep the flame blazing. So, the focus of our message today, I'll just start from there. I'll just start and jump right into that place. Um, in this month of June, we are looking at open heavens and we are looking at divine opportunities. And 
for our focus today, uh, the subject I want us to tackle is kingdom connections. Kingdom connections. This is in line with the preamble I gave, kingdom connections. And the scripture that I want us to look at is in the book of Luke, chapter 15, the verse number 11 to the verse number 13. Luke chapter, Luke chapter 15, the verse number 11 to the verse number 13. Now, if you have any version, um, I'll encourage you to copy and then paste in the chat box. So I'll be reading from the New King James. If you have any other variation of the Bible trans translations, just copy and paste. And let's read together if we can. Now, the Bible says, now you know this particular story, but I just want us to read for emphasis sake. The Bible says, then he said, that is Jesus speaking. Jesus was about to give a parable. He said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. So he divided them, he, so he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Now, just because of some of the key words that I want, I wish we can read in the um, New King James. Let me see if the NLT has it. Okay, let me let, let's read. Let's read from the NLT. It says, "A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estates now before you die.'" So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now, the key word that I want you to underline is estate. Some versions of the Bible will be using the word inheritance. Now, there would come there, would come there, but I want you to underline that phrase if it's in your Bible. So he divided his estate or his inheritance. Then the second part that I want you to underline is in the verse 13. He packed all his belongings and move to a distant land. That's what the NLT says. Distant land. Underline that also. So we'll just jump in right away. The focus of today's message is kingdom connections. The first thing I want you to underline is from the verse number 11. What we see here is the household of this particular man. Now, one of the things that you begin to realize when you start to study the subject of kingdoms is that in this kind of, in this particular century that we are in, we don't have very, very good examples of kingdoms. The one tangible kingdom knowledge experience that we've had, in a way, seems to have ended with Queen Elizabeth II. God rest her soul. But, um, if you want to really, really understand certain concepts and components of the structure of a kingdom, what you can easily relate a kingdom to is the family setup. What you can easily relate a kingdom to is a family setup. So you, and, and, and when I say a family, now you, you, you'd agree with me that a family is technically a mashup of complicated relationships. Now, these complicated relationships, we have grown to accept them. We have grown to love the relationships. We have grown to cherish the relationships. We have grown to depend on the relationships. And we have even grown to protect these relationships. So the easiest way you can clearly see a kingdom demonstrated is in the family setup. And a family is a complicated mess of relationships that we love, depend on, protect, 
cherished, have accepted. And technically, that is what the kingdom of God also is. The kingdom of God, you know, people come into the church and they realize that, oh, this person has done this to me. And, 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 and some people are shocked. Some people are shocked. If, if the kingdom of God is, it can be likened to a family. And that is how the book of Luke chapter 15, 11 starts. It says that there is a man who had two sons. We see the establishment of the family concept. There is a man who had two sons. Now, if you read down the story, you understand that he, they didn't just live with two sons. There were people that were immediate have immediate family connections. There were people that lived in the household. There were people that were part, what, what the Bible would call, were part of his household. So that is what I'm talking about. A kingdom can be likened to a family. And a family is basically a mass, a, a, a mashup, complicated relationship. When people offend you, people do things to you. I mean, how would you treat them if, 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 if they were in your family? In the body of Christ, in KCF, in the church that you serve, in the church that you worship, how do you treat people who are part of your, you know, kingdom family? The same thing. You learn to love them. You learn to accept them. You learn to depend on them. You learn to even protect that very, very complicated relationship. Nonetheless, so one of the things that I want you to write, the first point I want you to understand as we are talking about kingdom is that kingdom business is family business. We cannot talk entirely about the kingdom of God without talking about the family structure in the kingdom of God. So the first point I want you to note is that kingdom business is family business. Now, the earlier point I made about the complicated relationship is the second thing I want you to note, that in, in family business, we have mushy, 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 mushy feelings. Complicated, emotions scattered all around. At one point you are excited, at one point you are, you know, hurt about something. And you you see this demonstrated in your relationship with your siblings. There is no it, it's, it's never boring. It's never boring at all. It's, when it's boring, it means that you've decided to, you know, cut in a way, distance yourself, cut your mind from things. But it's never boring when you are dealing with family. Everybody will be excited at one point. Everybody is angry at some point. There is some makeup. There's what all, all of those things. So the second point I want you to note is that family business is mushy, 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 mushy feelings. And that is what the kingdom of God also is. It's not always about the legality of the kingdom. Yet yeah, there is that part. There is. There is. But there's also the complication that comes with emotions and all of that. All right. And before I continue, I keep mentioning the word kingdom. Now, Miles Monroe's definition that we've used and studied um, over the time, I just want to, you know, mention and um, just detail it out. If you are able to type all that I've been able to say, you can just copy the definition and put it there. But Miles Monroe defines a kingdom as the governing influence of a king over his territory impacting it with his personal will, purpose, intent to produce a culture, values, morals, and a lifestyle that reflects the king's own will, desire, and nature in his citizens. Now, I'm going to say it again. If you can type it out in the chat box, that'll be powerful so that others can copy and reference. The governing influence, the kingdom is the governing influence of a king over his territory, impacting it with his personal will, purpose, intent to produce a culture, 
value, morals, and a lifestyle that reflects the king's own will, desire, and nature for his citizens. Now, if you've been able to type this out, I want you to pay attention to one keyword. The keyword is that in a kingdom, what rules or reigns supreme is the personal will of the king. It's not the only thing, but one of the key things that reigns supreme is the personal will of the king. The nature, the desires, the lifestyle that the citizens of that kingdom exhibits is a direct reflection of the king's nature, desires, and will. This is very, 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 very different if you are born in this 21st century era where we don't have good examples of kingdoms. In our world today, examples of kingdoms that we have been exposed to are all negative examples of kingdoms. Nonetheless, one of the things that you realize quickly is that in the real establishment of a kingdom, the most important person there is the king. Contrary to what we've been used to, which is the era of democracy, where the most important people are, where the most important thing in a democracy are the people of that particular state. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, in simple terms, what a kingdom is, is a domain where a king has influence to personally execute his will, desire, intent, and his nature. I, don't, I, I, I hope you are with me. I hope you are with me. Right? If you are with me, type in hallelujah, shout amen, wherever you are. And that's the same thing when it comes to a family or a household. I mean, if, if you, I mean, if you're, if you're growing up with in the typical setting of a family, a, a father, a mother, and children, how the home runs is basically, in a typical traditional sense, is a reflection of the father, the king of that particular domain. There are different progressions, and we've tackled this particular definitions in, 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 in some time, um, in some time past. So I'd encourage you to go to our podcast um, on kcfministries.podbean.com. You can search specifically for the Efficient series, and then you can listen to them. I believe we have about six episodes from different men of God in KCF and Zion Impact, and it will be a blessing to you. So that is the definition of a kingdom. It is reflected in a household. In a family, the father, typically, in this particular example, is the king. And how the family behaves, you see the reflection, the behavior of the children, of, of, the, of, the, of the people in the household, mirroring the exact nature, character of the king of that particular household, which is the father. Right? So if you want to make a particular change in the lifestyle of the children there, you don't focus on the children because they are mirroring the father. You just focus on the father. Hallelujah. Let's look at the verse number 12. In the verse number 12, the Bible says that the Bible says that the younger son, reading again from the New King James Version, the younger son said to his father, Give me the portion of the inheritance or the estate or the goods that fall to me. 
The Bible says that so he divided up to them his livelihood. Now, we typically, you know, fault when we look at this particular parable of the younger son, and many of us look at the axing parts, you know, but technically, technically, his ability, audacity, courage, and boldness to ask the father for his inheritance or the portion of his father's estate that falls to him was not a wrong thing. If it was a wrong thing, his father would not have agreed to his request, would not have responded to his request. And that is one thing that many people in the kingdom are unable to do. And I think we tackled that during the fire come time, the ability to make a bold request to our father. Many of us have the mindset of the first son and we keep quiet, we are memory in our hearts, we are unable to get the things that we want, we want specific things, but then we are going to God and we are jumping around in circles. You know, the younger son, this one thing that we can applaud him for, he was able to boldly ask for the things that he wanted. And his father didn't have a problem, so his father executed, granted his request, and gave to him the portion that fell on him. Now, the part that is actually sad on his part is that is, is, is what happens in the verse number 13. But what I want to what I want us to emphasize on before we jump to verse number 13 is he says he asked for the portion of the inheritance that falls to him. Now in a kingdom there are layered relationships and especially the relationship that exists between the citizens and the king. Now there is a master servant relationship there is the judge, you know, one in need relationship. There is the father-children relationship. There is even the father-son relationship. In the kingdom, there is the husband and the bride relationship. There are several relationships. There's the shepherdship relationship. But one of the primary relationships that we need to embed into our minds, into our being, is the father-son relationship. And that is the relationship that is based on family. Now, an inheritance, contrary to what many people believe, and I've used, I believe that um, 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 for, for a while. You know, I, I give this example that in my second year or so, I was taking a finance for non-finance course um, 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 in my university program um, in HSE, right? And we were supposed to put up a business plan. I remember that one after thinking up all the sources of revenue or capital that I could raise, one of the things I put there was that I should have someone die in my family so that they leave me this amount of money as inheritance for my business to start. And the notion behind that was we've come to realize that inheritance is something that you get after someone, after someone dies. But that's not the case. Inheritance is a portion of an estate, livelihood, wealth that is apportioned to you because of relationship. And that's the key thing. Because of relationship, usually it is family relationship. Usually it is family relationship. But it is a portion of wealth, property, and estate that you get because you are related to whoever is giving. And that is the kind of relationship we have. And that is how come the Bible says in the book of Ephesians that we have access to the inheritances of God. We are co-heirs to the inheritance of God. We are co-heirs to the estates of God. We are co-heirs because we have a divine relationship and a family one at that between ourselves and God. Now, if you jump to the book of John chapter 3, 
in the verse number three to the verse number eight. If you can copy and paste the scripture, I'll be very, very excited about it. But my focus, John chapter three, the verse number three to the verse number eight. The part that I'm interested in is Jesus's conversation with Nicodemus. Now you realize that the emphasis of Jesus's conversation in that particular scripture is the born again experience. Now, one of the things that you have to realize in that particular scripture is that because of the many layered relationships that we have, the primary one that we ought to have with our king it's a family relationship, a father-child relationship, a father-son relationship. And so, our entry into the kingdom of God, this particular kingdom, there is a tool, there is a method that ensures that that relationship is established first. First, before any other relationship is established. So, in the verse number three, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot what? See the kingdom of God. If you look at Jesus' response in the verse number 5, because Nicodemus was asking how he can enter again into his mother's home. In the verse number 5, Nicodemus then said, in the verse number 5, Nicodemus then said, I mean, Jesus then said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Our entry and access into the kingdom of God starts with a birthing experience. And that birthing experience becomes the method that establishes the fact that we have a family relationship with God, a father-child relationship with God. Another example I can give you is in the book of John chapter 1, the verse number 12 to the verse number 13. John chapter 1, the verse number 12 to the verse number 13. The Bible says, But as many as received him, he gave them the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Look at the verse number 13. He says, Who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. So he says that he gave them the right to become children of God. Those who were born of God. So we get into the kingdom of God when God births us, when the Spirit of God births us. That is how we start our kingdom experience. That is the first and paramount experience or connection that we have. This is the first and paramount experience or connection that we have into the kingdom. The relationship we have, father-child relationship we have with God. I with me so far. I with me so far. So, that kind of relationship gives us access. So it's inheritance. And that's what is exhibited in this family with the man and his two sons. And the Bible says in the verse number 13 of Luke chapter 15, he says, and there's a part that is quite sad actually. Not many days after, the younger son guarded all he had and journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possession in prodigal living. Now, unfortunately, 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 this has become the recurring story of many kingdom citizens, many children of God, the king. Now, you see, you see, when the father gave his estates or the portion of, of the portion of his estate that fell to the younger son. He, 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 like I already mentioned, there was no wrong in asking. 
But the wrong that comes here is what keeps replaying all the way from Bible times in Genesis chapter 3 till now. What keeps replaying? That oftentimes people are in relationship with God, with the king of the kingdom. We get things that we pray for. We get things that we are blessed with. We get things by virtue of our relationship with God, by virtue of God's benevolence, by virtue of God's compassion, God's mercy, God's provision. And we, you know, gather our things and run away. Run away. Me and you, are we are not so different from the prodigal son. We are not so different. We are not so different. If we don't pay attention, the focus of our kingdom experience becomes the portion of the inheritance, the blessings we are getting, the answers to our prayers, and we lose sight of the fact that the connection is the most important one. That kingdom connection is the most important one, the relationship we have with the king. Look what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 2, the verse number 1. Hebrews chapter 2, the verse number 1. If you can copy that scripture also and paste it, I'll be very glad. In the NLT, the Bible says, Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. The things we have heard. Now, it talks and breaks it down in the subsequent verses, talking about the kind of salvation and how we should be careful. But then look at what the Bible says. It says, give the earnest, the, the earnesty, the more earnesty to the things you have heard, lest we drift away. Drifting away is an unconscious thing. If you've ever seen a vessel at a shore that has drifted into the sea, that has drifted into the ocean, the vessel, even if it's a motorized vessel, I mean, you need fuel and a particular engine to actually cause it to move in the direction you want. If it's a motorized vessel, if it is turned off and it is not teethed or connected to the lock or whatever it is on the shore, it would, without effort, without fuel, without power, without any deliberate action, move from where it was stationed. Drifting away is, 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 is an automatic process, like I mentioned with chaos theory, that naturally comes into effect anytime connection is broken. And that is the case of the prodigal son. As soon as he got what he wanted, unknown to him, something rose up in his heart. And he began to separate himself. Now, if you check what the Bible said in the book of Luke chapter 15, it says he went to a far country, a far country. He went to a realm or a domain outside of the governing influence of his father, outside of the governing influence of his king. He went to a realm where the personal will, intent, nature, um, purpose of the king would not reach him, would not touch him, would not affect him. And that's how many of us, you know, we go in cycles like that. You get connected to God, you go on some kind of vacation, whatever it is, travel opportunity, you get your prayer. Minsanka, minsaka, minsaka. And then we go to a far country. Far country. And I can give you testimonies, several examples, and this is not the platform to do that.
people spend their time praying at the altar, crying out to God for a particular answer. God answers them, they get that job. God answers them, they get that travel opportunity. God answers them, they get that particular scholarship. And inside of KCF, then you can't see them anymore. Travel far away, far away. And you see, it's not just the fact that they go far away from even KCF, but usually it ends up, they go away, they go away far away from God. God, their father, the king, right? So, in my point for this particular verse, I'm saying that you are not that different. I am not that different from the prodigal son. And that's why I come there's a caution in the book of Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1. Pay the more earnest heed. Unless you drift away. It says, pay the more earnest heed to what you have heard. Now, by revelation, you can extend it. Pay the more earnest heed to the things you have received. Pay the more earnest things to the things you have seen. Pay the more earnest things to the things you have handled. Unless you drift away. Any answer of God is an allotment of his estate to you. And it says, pay the more earnest heed lest you would unconsciously drift away. And I pray for you that in this summer period, you will not drift away. I pray for you that there would be a connection that would anchor you, that would anchor you and will prevent the tossing of the wind, the tossing of the sea, the blowing of the wind would prevent you from moving away. Whatever has been put into effect, chaos theory, things that naturally disintegrate into chaos, I declare that by the power of God, by the power of God's word, by the power of his spirit, you will be anchored. You will have the secure connection to God and to his kingdom. And to his kingdom. That's in, and you see, when I say me and you are not different from the prodigal son, um, there are, it's not just me and you. There are several examples in the Bible from Genesis, Adam and Eve. There's an example of Cain. The Bible says that and Cain fled from the presence of God. There's an example of Lot. Lot decided to choose the place closer to Sodom, so he would far away from Abraham and his God. There's an example of Israel at the Mount of Sinai. When God decided to visit them, the Bible says that they saw the presence of God coming. God was about to release to them his very self, his manifesto for the kingdom. And the Bible says that they ran away. It was Moses who was able to find God in the darkness. There's an example of Naomi and Ruth. Naomi and his family. The Bible says that they left the country that God had told them to be in because of a particular hardship. And that connection was broken. Ruth and Opa. Opa decided to, you know, move away and live her life, but Ruth saw a connection to the kingdom. So she didn't break it. She restored it. And we see here in the genealogy of Jesus. Right? Now, one of the things that I want to also mention before I run away. And I will just read these three scriptures. And I said, people are far away. When I say you are far away, I don't mean it as a physical, you know, in, in a physical definition. Not being far away in terms of kilometers and miles. Someone like the first son of the prodigals, of the first brother of the prodigal son, he was in the house, yet he didn't have a connection. He was in the house. Yet the kind of relationship that he had decided to accept was that he would live with his father with a master-servant relationship. Master-servant. So he, the Bible says that he complained to his father at the end of that particular scripture that you didn't even give me a small lamb that I'll celebrate because of my hard work. Uh, 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 that's, 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 that's the voice of a servant. That's not the voice of a son. That's, that's not the voice of a son. 
that's the voice of a servant. And so the prodigal son's first brother was in the house, but he was still distant. The kind of connection, the primary one, father-son relationship, he was not experiencing it, he was not enjoying it. And I'm saying that probably you are not far away. Probably you are still working in church. Probably you are still going to church, join midweek services, all of those things. Probably you are still praying. But I'm, 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 I'm emphasizing and I'm pleading with you that don't just be focused on the activity. Make sure you are connected to the kingdom correctly. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, the verse number 22 and the verse number 23. Let's just look at that and then we'll be out of here. Verse number 22 and the verse number 23. The Bible says that, and many will say to me, let's just, let's just read that. Matthew chapter 7, the verse number 22. If you can copy that and paste it in the chat section too, that will be great. Matthew chapter 7. It says, many will say to me, verse 22, in that day, Lord, Lord, we have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, have done wonders in your name. In the verse 23, Jesus says, answer. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. If you've ever heard a Ghanaian big man, probably African, Nigerian big man, say, do you know who I am? Or do you know who I know? What they are trying to emphasize is the connections that they have. The connections that they have. So connection is typically by knowledge. And in the kind of connection or relationship we have with God, if I say that I know the president of Ghana, it's not the same thing as the president of Ghana saying that he knows me. I don't know if I get what I'm saying. If I say I know Elon Musk, it's a very, very different experience from Elon Musk saying that he knows me. It elevates my relationship to a, you know, <laughs> different ballgame, different ballgame. So that is what Jesus is saying. You declaring that you know him and that you have a connection with him is very different from he declaring that he knows you and has a connection with you. And I'm praying that you will not be swallowed up in the activity, but you will truly be known by heaven and you will truly have a connection to heaven. So as I conclude, the last thing I want us to say is to just look at the book of Matthew chapter 3, the verse number 16. The Bible says, Matthew chapter 3, the verse number 16. It says that, and <clears throat> Matthew chapter 3, the verse number 16. When he was being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. In this month of June, as we put up together this summer program, Bible study prayer, I'm praying that there will be an open heaven over your heads. And I pray that as we are asking God for the grace of open heavens, divine opportunities, the grace for a portal in the heavens to be open over your head, over your family, would be created. That you would have direct access to the king of the kingdom. That you will have a true connection. If you're born again experiences some way, I pray that God will born you again. God will birth you again. I pray that in this summer experience, you will be sustained because of the connection you have with God. Because of the connection you have with the Spirit of God. Your ability to pray, your ability to fellowship, your Bible study life will be sustained because of the connection you have with God. And I pray for you and for everyone that is connected to you 
that you receive grace on all sides. The portion of inheritance that belongs to you because of your connection and your relationship, may you receive it in the name of Jesus. Every other question, prayer request on the table of your heart, I declare that may God answer. And I declare that in, as we begin this particular series, Bible series, you receive grace, more wood, more wind, so that you find your experiences, fellowship with God afresh. Before we meet at the start of the next semester, at the start of the next academic year, may you be on a different level where you are, you know, ablaze for God, even in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us. I believe greetings from KCF and from Zion Impact and from where we are streaming right now in the Oasis Studios in Abdabraka. Plenty love from all the pastors and from our father, Apostle Kinsley J. Godsing, and from everyone connected to us. We love you. Keep the flame ablaze. God bless you, even in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. If you were blessed by this, share it with someone and be an agent of impactful change for the kingdom of God. God bless you.